I realize I'm, I'm short on time, but God is not. He's the only one who can create it. <laughs> so I'll just apologize for going a little late here. Um, but I feel like it's really important just to sow uh, a quick word into your heart um, uh, of something that I feel like is, is relevant right now. Dude, you can feel, man, just the presence of God just, just flowing through this place, those who are watching. And, and we started last week. I you know, was so thankful for Pastor Ben Watts. Man, did he do an awesome job last week? Just such a great word. And um, was just enjoying listening to him preach and, and, and talk about stewarding the presence of God and, and the Ark of the Covenant and, and the lifestyle of David and how he just became so abandoned unto the Lord. And you know what? Even sometimes your own family can persecute you. Come on. You start getting a little bit too committed. They, they start wondering. Um, and, and so I, I really enjoyed what he had to say. And, and it really felt interesting in, in line with, you know, he and I really didn't have a lot of conversation about, I didn't know what scripture he was going to use um, to teach out of. But I always love it when the Lord puts things together um, on our team. You know, I love when Tony is flowing prophetically and he's getting songs and we're getting messages and the, the teams are just flowing and it's just so awesome. But this, this scripture kept coming to me. Um, as we get ready to this upcoming week on Independence Day to launch um, a time of just calling it Man Up. And, and it's got a two, kind of a two-part concept there. There's the physical part where we men are going to get up early. Come on. Y'all do it for hunting. You know what I'm saying? And um, we'll do it for God. And so we're going to man up and get up early. And then we're just going to man up in the reality of who we're called to be as men. And, and we are in a desperate time, a desperate need of, of men understanding who they're called to be, their identity. And I believe that things will shift um, as men come together and pray. And you know what, I mean? I'm going to tell you something What's so cool about this. This revelation is really coming from a dream that was given to my son about two weeks ago, two or not three weeks ago. That he saw a tremendous storm over the ocean and people were being just sucked into it and, and destruction and chaos was happening. And then, and then my son began to tell me, he said, but dad, as you, and, and he started naming off specific men that came together, he said, peace came over the water. And we knew when we went into our, our, our meeting, as we began to pray, the Lord was stirring us for the men to pray over the house for the men to pray over the nation, for our men to pray over our city and our families. And I feel like for the next two months, that's where this thing's going. We're going to send our kids back to school to cover the right way. And so, you know, in 1 Timothy um, chapter 2, this is what Paul admonished Timothy in verse 8. He says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I want men everywhere to lift up Holy hands. And a lot of times we focus on the, the physical demonstration of hands lifting. But you know what's so interesting? Listening to Ben's message, he talked about who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who has clean hands and what a pure heart? That the real focus is, is holiness. The real focus here is are we lifting up holy, you know, in, in, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew culture, in the Arabic culture, they lift their hands anyway. So it's, that, that's, for, that's taken. They did that. But the real question is are we going to lift up clean hands? 
And there's only one way we're going to get those hands clean. It's, it's, it's letting them be totally washed and immersed in the blood of Jesus. So as I was thinking about this, that are we going to, you know, be a generation that will man up and really come into our identity, or are we going to continue to allow the culture and the time to try to define us and rename us? And so I want to read this to you and give you the, the real short cleft note version here. And, um, but I want to read to you from the book of Daniel. If you've got it, you can flip over there to it. Daniel chapter 1. And to kind of set the stage for you, the children of Israel have gone into captivity and they are now being governed by the, the, the Babylonian kingdom. And so there are four particular young men who have been selected from the Hebrew culture and, and br being brought into the, the king's order, so to speak, in the Babylonian kingdom. And what's going to happen is this, the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, has told his chief official to select these handsome, good-looking, smart guys and to rewire them to think like his culture in his day. Let me pick up right here in verse 3. Then the king ordered, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that dude's name, chief of his court officials to, we'll call him Tom, how about that? <laughs> the king ordered Tom, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Well, that sounds interesting. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And then after their training, they were to enter the king's service. And here's where it gets really interesting. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azera. The chief official gave them new names. Listen to this. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And most of us, if you've been around church very long, grow up calling them by their Babylonian name. When we tell the story of the fiery furnace, we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I usually never hear anybody say the name uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Why is that? Because see, the culture and the kingdom of their culture at that time wanted to strip them of their identity and give them a new identity. See, the king wanted to rename them. Listen to this. This is so, so powerful. The name um, of each one of these particular men meant something very specific. Daniel, whose name literally means God is my judge, was taken captive, given the name Belshazzar, which means Baal protect his life. Isn't that interesting? We're going to take the name that God has given you. We're going to flip the script on your identity. Instead of God is my judge, God is my protector, Baal will be your God. 
Baal will be your protector. He goes on to give the name of um, Shadrach, who was, you know, thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, in, in, instead of um, mean, Shadrach, meaning the, um, hold on, the, under the command of, I can't pronounce this guy's name right, but Akeu, instead of being under the command of the Lord, it's now shifted to under the command of Akeu. And then Meshach, meaning who is like Akehu, and Abednego, a servant of Nebo. Each one of these men's name meant something very specific in how they related to God and how God saw them. That God gave them identity and purpose and they reflected his nature, his character, and his purpose. And the culture of the day wanted to come in and strip that away. Culture wants to uproot, distort, and destroy that which is of God. So when I talk about manning up, I'm not talking about taking your gloves off and going and fighting people physically. Because see, that really doesn't accomplish anything. The Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. See, the real power that you and I have is the power to fall on our knees and appeal to a God who is in control of everything. The real power that you and I have is to stand for righteousness, to stand for truth, and to let God be our judge and not an earthly king. But here's the question. Are you and I going to allow our culture to rename our children? Are you going to allow culture to rename you and your destiny and what you're called to? And you say, how, how does that happen? Very, very easily. Just let definitions and terms be redefined. See, God is a specific God. Last week, Ben talked about God being a detailed God. There's no unnecessary detail. He's specific in how he's leading. So here's my, my prayer for us as a body, as a community, that as we as men who have been called to be the head of our homes, and if you're not a husband yet or a father yet, well, you're going to be one day. You're still called to reproduce. God has given you as a man the ability to reproduce. And so when we come in here on Saturday morning to pray, we're coming asking God to not allow us to lose sight of our identity and be renamed by the culture of our time. That we're saying, God, drop the plumb line down straight and let us stay according to your way. And so I felt moved when I started looking at Daniel and, and you know, I just, just honestly... I just want to say their names again, Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah. I, I, I started being moved as I said those names again. You know, I'm going to throw something out here to you for just a moment. That how does culture begin to change our perspective on things? 
Very simple. You take an issue like abortion, and instead of calling it murder of an innocent infant and child, we call it something else. Because it, it feels differently when we call it what it is. It, it, it does something to us. We have friends who have had to walk through that process who um, have been through the process of abortion. And you know what? God still heals that too. I can't tell you how many times when we first moved here, we stood out in front of some of the clinics here in town and we were not there to protest. We were there to pray. How do you know we weren't protesting? Because it's hard to protest with tape over your mouth. When your mouth is shut, all you can do is pray. And you know what we discovered? We had to pray just as hard for the young lady who went into the building one side and came out on the other side. You know, you, you, you pray that they'll stop and something will happen and intervention will happen. But do we love them just as much when they come out on the other side and they've gone through with it? Jesus didn't just die for them to not fall into that trap. But he also died for them when they've actually fallen all the way to the ground. We have to know who we are. Men. We can't wait until the battle is at our front door to decide who we are. You need to know who you are before the battle comes. Because what will happen is you'll get baited into Facebook and say something really dumb. <laughs> Been there and done that one. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Behind every great man is a better wife. Husbands, men, God's not telling us to go at this all by ourselves, as if the whole burden rests upon our shoulders. Ladies, I want to tell you something. You have such an amazing role to help men walk in their identity too. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. This coming Saturday morning, we'll be here, 6 a.m. And you know what? I have no idea what all God wants to do. But I know that he says, if we will humble ourselves and seek his face, we will find him. Maybe the peace that you've been missing is not doing a hard thing. It's not sacrificing more. David said, bulls and goats you did not desire, but my worship, a heart of worship. Maybe when you come and just worship and pray, the miracle you've been waiting for might just happen. And maybe what we're needing to see shift in our culture will begin to shift. Paul told Timothy, men everywhere to lift up holy hands without anger 
and disputing. There's a real temptation right now to take the bait to get angry and bitter. There's a real temptation. There's a temptation for the race card to get played and for white people and black people to not get along or Hispanic people or whatever, man. There's a temptation of being angry with our government and being mad with our justice system. And, but how does that really change anything? Getting angry at those things are not what changes our circumstances. What changes something is when God's people fall on their face and they cry out to the one who can save. That's why we will come together as men and make our stand and man up and pray. Would you stand to your feet? Ladies, if you're standing next to a fellow, would you just put your hand on their back? If you're not standing close to them, you can stretch your hand out to them. I want to pray just for a moment for our guys, and then we'll close the service. Would you just pray for them? Lord, I pray for each man, those who are watching and those who are in this room right now. God, we just ask you to strengthen each man. That, Lord, as we enter into this time of prayer for the next two months, that, Lord, you would do a supernatural thing in our church. You would do a supernatural thing in our community and in our families' lives. That, God, there will be a grace, God, to get up, to drive to the prayer room, and to come into agreement that, Lord, we're trusting you to do a miracle. That we need you to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And we will not rely on our strength, but we will take courage that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Strengthen every man, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord another shout of praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We love you guys. It's a few minutes late, but God bless you. We'll see you next week.